Welcome to the Data Savvy Teacher Podcast. My name is Alicia Parker and I'll be your host. This podcast is for anyone who has a role in education and wants to learn how to improve their data using skills. As an educator, you're probably also a lifelong learner. So thanks for making this podcast part of your personal growth. And if you enjoy what you hear, please give it a rating on iTunes or share it with others. This helps more listeners like you find this resource as well. All right, let's get started with today's content. Today, we are continuing our mini series on how to write good assessment items. In episode five, we covered guidelines for writing multiple choice items. Episode six covered true, false, and matching items. And today, in episode seven, we are going to spend some time talking about written response items. We're doing this series on the Data Savvy Teacher podcast because in order to get quality data output, you must have input. And so often our input comes from classroom assessments. So the goal of this mini series is to equip educators with skills for creating high quality assessment items. Now, written response assessment items can take many forms. They can be fill in the blank, short answer, or longer extended responses, such as full essays. Let's begin by talking about fill-in-the-blank items. These items are probably only going to test low cognitive knowledge. They are more typically used with younger students rather than secondary students, but I have seen them used frequently in foreign language classes with older students. So if you're going to use fill-in-the-blank questions, the most important thing to consider is the variety of options your students might come up with that can be correct. The more explicit your assessment item and your directions, the better the outcome for your students and for you. Now, if you're teaching students how to count money and you have an assessment item that says a blank is worth five cents, you might expect your students to fill in the word nickel, but a savvy student could technically write in a handful of five pennies and also be correct. So with fill in the blank, Try to always think like a student. And that is the downside of doing any type of written response, the variation in student response. Now, the next level up of written response would be a one or two sentence answer. Again, the biggest issue is your clarification for the extended response and, of course, the variety in which those responses can be created. If you ask students to create an equation that represents the product of two and eight, they could write, 2 times 8 equals 10, or 8 times 2 equals 10, or 10 equals 2 times 8. And of course, they could also write 10 equals 8 times 2. All of these are acceptable. And in any situation where you ask students to generate a written response, you should get some variety in how the students respond. And this is where you will need to clearly know what elements of the response you are looking for and what variations you will accept. Rubrics are ideal for this, but we aren't going to tackle rubrics today. That's the topic of our next episode. And when your responses get longer than a few sentences, more like a paragraph or a multi-paragraph response, that's really where the rubrics are going to make a difference in your consistency of assessing your students' responses and in the quality of the data you are getting. For any type of written response item, it is always a good idea to write a student model response before you give the assessment to your students. Now, this model should shape your criteria and your rubric. 
One of the most important guidelines to follow when crafting a written response item is to make sure that it does not require background knowledge or experiences that were not explicitly taught. Be sure it doesn't rely on life experiences. In the spring of 2012, fourth grade students all over the state of Florida sat for the state writing assessment. The prompt asked them to write a narrative essay about someone who had a chance to ride a camel. Now, in 2011, fourth graders in the state were asked to write about what kind of weather they liked. 81% of fourth graders scored at the proficient level in 2011. Now, full disclosure, between 2011 and 2012, the state made some changes in how students would be scored. So some drop in proficiency was expected. But when asked to write a narrative about riding a camel, only 27% of Florida fourth graders scored at proficiency as in 2011. What happened? Did Florida's fourth grade teachers suddenly stop teaching how to construct good essays? Did the grading scale change so drastically that it was only possible for one-fourth of the state's students to score at the proficiency level? Now, the changes in scoring no doubt had some impact on the results, but many 2012 Florida fourth graders were not equipped with enough background knowledge and had not received uniform explicit teaching on what to expect during a camel ride. That year, the state board had to meet and issue a change to lower the proficiency score so that the students, schools, and districts all over Florida would not be penalized with the poor performance. And that bumped the percentage of students earning a proficient score up to 48% instead of 27%. Following year, fourth graders were prompted to persuade a famous person to visit their town, performance jumped 10%. That's a big swing from one year to the next when you're testing 190,000 plus students. So the lesson here is to consider what background experiences or life experiences your student might need to answer your written response. In this case, the assessment was to assess writing skills learned. But if given a task that students don't have enough information to write about, it's hard to showcase your writing skills. Fortunately for Florida students, the state has now moved to an assessment style that provides students with multiple passages to read and then asks students to write using information from the text to either inform or persuade. This cuts way back on the possibility for an item to require certain experience or background knowledge for a student to be successful. Written response items can be an excellent tool for gathering data on student understanding of concepts. The best strategy for crafting these kinds of items is to develop an ideal student response and then prepare appropriate grading criteria from which to assess your students' responses. Our next episode will explore this more fully as we dive into how to develop and use rubrics. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Data Savvy Teacher Podcast. Tune in next time for more tips on writing good test items. And remember, a rating on iTunes gets this podcast seen by more listeners like you. So if you like what you hear, feel free to leave a review or share this with a friend. May the data be ever in your favor.